Schwab Asset Management is proud to support the Inside ETFs podcast. In today's complex world, Schwab Asset Management provides a simple, straightforward approach to investing. As one of the largest and most experienced asset managers, they offer low-cost core ETFs for building the foundation of a diversified portfolio. Their focused lineup, which includes market cap index and strategic beta ETFs, is a reflection of a commitment to deliver exceptional experiences to investors and the financial professionals who serve them. Learn more at schwabassetmanagement.com forward slash ETFs. Hello and welcome to Inside ETFs, the podcast where we bring the latest and greatest ETF industry perspectives directly to you through in-depth discussions with key thought leaders from across the ETF ecosystem. I'm your host, Douglas Jonas, the head of exchange-traded products at the New York Stock Exchange, the home of ETFs. Now, today I'm joined by Dina Ting. She is the head of Global Index Portfolio Management at Franklin Templeton. Her team is responsible for managing Franklin Templeton's suite of index-based strategies, including all of their ETFs. Now, prior to joining the firm in 2015, Ms. Ting spent nearly a decade at BlackRock, where she led the institutional emerging markets team that managed over 70 global equity portfolios for clients worldwide. She also managed a multitude of iShares ETFs covering smart beta, global real estate, sector-based, and even emerging market strategies. In 2019, Ms. Ting was named one of Money Management Executive's top women in asset management. And in 2018, she was recognized by the San Francisco Business Times as one of the most influential women in Bay Area business. Dina, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for the interjection, Doug. Pleasure to be here. I'm so excited to talk ETFs with you, investing with you, given given your career, your background. Uh, let's let's start at the beginning, right? I mean, because you've been involved in in ETFs for quite some time. What is it that brought you into this ETF business? Is there something when you look back on your career that you say, "Hey, this was the most pivotal point that led me towards where I am today"? It is interesting how I get into the ETF business. Uh, as you know, when I first joined the ETF business in 2005, ETF was still pretty new and a lot of people doesn't know what it is. And uh, if I think about like why I found the, the business kind of exciting and why in the way I could, uh, I enjoy being there uh, because at the end of the day, finding where you can be successful is a combination of what you enjoy the most and uh, what you're good at. And um, I kind of credited my engineering background. So when I was studying in school, I studied engineering. And in engineering, you spend a lot of time with problem solving and uh, continually finding better ways to do things. And uh, with ETF, uh, it has been evolving quite a bit. When I joined BlackRock in 2005, the ETF business was about $100 billion. Uh, over there. When I left, it was $1 trillion. And now the industry itself, um, it's a... Uh, it's, it's much bigger than that, right? It's close to like about 10 trillion right now on the ETF side. And growing the business in uh, not only on the product line, but figuring out uh, what works and how ETF could be used across the, the different segment of investors has been pretty uh, interesting ride for the past uh, 17 years or so that I've been involved on the ETF side. And I think the key thing that I enjoy is one is I manage uh, many markets, right? So 40 plus different markets and nothing is ever the same. Uh, on top of that, the regulation also changes. And uh, 
the the actual ways of investors are using ETF is also changing. And I think one thing that is valuable to me as a person is the fact that ETF help investors be able to achieve their investment outcome and their goals, right? Whether that's savings for retirement or uh, helping uh, save for college expenses, but it's a way to uh, allow people who normally could not get these different strategies that's more limited to a certain segment of uh, institutional investors to now anybody with a brokerage account are able to do using ETFs as a vehicle. Yeah, and you bring up some of this growth, Dina, and you know, uh, often say who's counting. Well, I can tell you we are, and you know, at the New York Stock Exchange, we've launched over seventy ETFs this year, raising over one and a half billion dollars in brand new AUM year to date. So you're absolutely right. The growth, you know, the earliest of growth projections were all under projecting what ended up happening. You've certainly come along with that. Franklin Templeton has been nothing but successful in ETFs, bringing many of your strategies to market. And, and when I look across the Franklin Templeton lineup, uh, you know, there, there's so many interesting pieces, but I have to ask you, right, you're on the inside. Is there something that you look at and say, geez, uh, this is something that, that someone on the outside might be surprised to learn about, you know, your role or what it is you're doing at Franklin Templeton? Yeah, so... I think the surprise for most people is the fact that uh, the Franklin ETF business has grown 60% annually the past five years, and we do have over 90 plus ETF globally, right? So as a relative newcomer, we actually have the breadth and the size to be able to attack globally because Franklin is a global focus firm. So when we launch ETF, we're not only focused on US listed, but we also look at Canadian listed, Australia listed, as well as European listed. And one thing that was uh, surprising and it could be surprising for someone joining or starting an ETF business is building the ETF platform in a large firm, right? So I came from BlackRock. When I joined Franklin, uh, we are just starting to build the ETF um, investment platform and specifically building the uh, index portfolio management capabilities. Uh, As you know, Franklin is well known for active mutual funds, but now we are more, a lot more full scale about offering all kinds of different investment strategy within the Franklin umbrella. And building something from the ground up is always exciting for me. And building index portfolio management capability is somewhat different than active, right? It's about scale. It's about precision, about uh, analyzing and processing a lot of uh, data and information and then relying on technology to kind of help deliver that. I think most people probably underestimate what it takes to deliver the objective of an index, uh, because the index by itself uh, is changing. Uh, so, and then there's different events that ha- took place, but at the same time, uh, the portfolio managers for each of these index-based funds, uh, they are more active than you think. They There's actually things that they have to do. It's not something that you buy and you forget, but there's things that you do. And part of that is like understanding the index methodology, Uh, understanding the exposure and understanding all the different market and the nuances where the ETF are located. 
Yeah, you know, Dean, I often think of myself as very lucky that I get a chance to work with so many different people within a single firm. And so, you know, for investors and advisors out there that, that are familiar with the Franklin Templeton name and familiar with some of the, the funds and ETFs, the, the team on the inside, boy, you guys can be very creative alongside uh, your traditional business of running a lot of money. You know, we, we've even worked together. I know uh, for your ETFs, we did a whole Snapchat campaign with some pretty fun Ben Franklin uh, style emojis and, and really just a way to get investors engaged and educated. And, and along those lines, you know, could you, could you share a bit about the evolution and, and sort of the growth of Frank, Franklin's ETF business? You know, how, how has that changed over the years? Sure. Yeah. So when we started uh, to really build the ETF business uh, back in 2015, 2016, uh, that's when we, when I joined in 2015, we're still building the platform. In 2016 is when we start launching our first suite of product. And our strategy in developing ETF business is uh, having a, looking from like the end user at the end of the day, what are they looking for? Right. So we think that investors with an active mind uh, will never settle and they need to achieve their different objective. And to that end, we're focusing on like three separate uh, building blocks to kind of achieve that. Passive, as you know, is the majority of the assets out there. But even when we launch passive, we found area where we can differentiate ourselves. Right. So we launched single country ETF um, to help activate the views about specific countries. So you can have an active views using a passive vehicle using our country ETF. And how we differentiate ourselves is not only on our close to five years track record right now, but also on our pricing. So we are 70% cheaper compared to the nearest competitor on the single country ETF. And then on the smart beta side, we're combining the more quantitative as well as fundamental into a rule-based investment to achieve specific outcome. And then because Franklin, as you said, has histories of active management and we have so many different investment teams with different expertise, we're relying on that expertise across equity, across fixed income to offer active strategies in an ETF wrapper. So across our different investment teams, we pick the strategy that make the most sense and packages of an ETF. So we have a full offering of the different strategy that investors can choose from across our lineup. Yeah. And you bring up the the uh, single country funds. And, and while uh, I can't think of another investment environment uh, than we're in right now, where there's a lot of focus country by country. And so certainly Franklin Templeton thinking ahead and, and trying to provide a lot of investment tools for advisors to be able to, you know, uh, I guess, reflect the opinions as they have them. And, and as the news changes globally from country to country, you, you know, Franklin is very much an established ETF provider, you know, and, and advisors, of course, know Franklin Templeton's name. Are there specific product development trends that you're seeing in the space or you're being asked for by advisors right now? I think advisors right now has uh, a lot of choices. At the same time, if you look at the flow recently, the growth of the active ETF has been a highlight, right? I mean, in terms of like absolute dollar is still smaller compared to passive, but in terms of growth, I think 2021 marked the best year of record for active ETF. 
we saw like 80 billion of net flows, which is about 42% increase from 2020. I think the, the ETF rule kind of leveled the playing field. And I think investors are more comfortable that ETF doesn't always equate to passive, right? ETF is just a vehicle and whatever you can put in could be put in there. Uh, so, of course, you hear about the digital assets and currency, but that's still depending on regulation where it could be uh, going forward. Uh, but at the end of the day, what we're seeing as well is uh, people care about the story and that could be translated into like thematics ETF, right? So people can relate more uh, when they understand what it is that it's trying to do uh, while at the same time allowing it to make a simple, just one, uh, one ETF to be able to get exposure to multiple different. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, for sure. And, and of course, here we are, Dina, in probably one of the most volatile starts to a year uh, that we've had in quite some time, you know, in, in, with 2022, are there, are there challenges that you feel like advisors are trying to overcome? Are there ways that you think investors can best manage their risk right now? Sure. I think the biggest uh, challenge is inflation, right? Uh, with inflation, the expected returns that you're getting is eroded uh, with inflation, uh, especially if coming up from a very strong domestic return, right? If you look at S&P 500, the past 15 years has been outperformed many of the international market. And it, it is a much higher return than historical past. So with the, the current geopolitical situation and the inflation that we're having right now, I think the, the challenge that advisors are trying to look is you can't really rely on that past 15 years of return for like the next 10 to 15 years, right? So where, how would you think about uh, where you allocate your money right now? And I think for, for, for Franklin Templeton, uh, this is a chance for like the vehicles that we offer, such as a single country product, to be able to be used uh, as a way to allocate portfolio. You mentioned before about uh, a way to allocate portfolio based on the belief about specific countries. And our vehicle is perfect for that. And it's also an opportunity because if you look at returns, right? It, there's always this, that mean variances that take place. And the historical past, uh, if you look back 20 years prior to that, international market actually has outperformed, but not the past 15 years. So it's a matter of where the opportunity lies and where we could see and how to evaluate all the different opportunities out there. So the way to look at single country for advisors is understanding one is what is that capital markets looks like? Uh, what sector does it represent? And what are the macro factors that is impacting that? So if I could highlight, uh, let's say Brazil, for example, right? Uh, we have uh, FLPR as our Brazil fund. It's been uh, attracting flows with recent outperformance, partly because it's, uh, Brazil has been trading at a very low valuation. Uh, it has an attractive yield. But it is a resource-rich country that benefit from all the rising oil prices and uh, the Rus Russia situation. Um, and also because uh, it, it's probably a funny anecdote that in the past, Brazil is known to have a high inflation. But I think this year, 
U.S. Uh, inflation rate is probably could be higher than the Brazilian inflation rate. So it's a <laughs> something unexpected anecdote that could happen, right? You never yeah. thought. We will be in the situation. I know. Uh, I I think we could quote that uh, that phrase of yours. Never thought we'd be in this situation and talk, and talk about a lot of different topics. You know, we started that question with challenges, but you you ended it with opportunities, which I appreciate. Uh, and and it shows the positivity you have as an individual. Let let's stay on that trend. Uh, are there are there opportunities in this market when you sort of look at the the rest of this year moving forward? Uh, and if there are, you know, are there particular ETFs you look at and say, hey, these are these are the investment tools that can help seize on those opportunities? Yeah, so I guess being an optimist that I am, <laughs> so, uh, any actually, if you are in the market, any situation is always an opportunity, right? Because not everything kind of move the same way. And the way to look at the, the different opportunity is like, who will benefit when certain things happens? So any resource-rich uh, country uh, has a, has a potential to outperform in in these kind of environments. So Saudi Arabia is another one. So we have a Saudi Arabia fund called FLSA um, that has a stellar performance uh, so far as well. And it's beyond just the oil, right? So because as you know, with the with the break-even oil prices where it is, and there's a lot more surplus that is happening. But that is also a country who has been uh, spending a lot of time to diversify from their oil surplus into other parts um, of the economy as well. So not only that they will benefit with the with the surplus this year, uh, but the the fact that they are probably one of the cheapest oil producer out there. So they are having a, a greater margin compared to like any of the other oil producer and with the Russia being banned as a supplier, any other country who can supply it uh, will be a primary beneficiary across that. And one thing that it could be potentially overlooked is uh, when you look into like Asian market and the supply chain issue that we're having, Japan, so our fund FLJP is also another area Japan is a big exporter for like auto and they are well known for manufacturing. I remember uh, when I was studying engineering, we did learn a lot from Japanese manufacturing capability. So they were one of the few countries who were very advanced in, um, in creating manufacturing processes that was copied all around the world. And during the, the supply chain issue that they have, their auto industry actually has been in a better position because they know a little bit more about how to manage the supply chain better. So they have a lot less of the uh, issue that other manufacturers are happening. Uh, so, and if you are looking at Japan, like Japan right now is at the decade low if you look at the broad market. So if you want to allocate a lot more, our, a single country fund is a way to kind of add an overweight if your express view of Japan is higher than a weight in the broad market. So uh, if you're a fan of this podcast, then you know this is one of my favorite questions. If, if you're a new listener to the podcast, we invite you to go back and listen to some of the former episodes. But Dina, is there a fund, is there an ETF in your lineup 
that you feel, hey, th- this really should have done better than it has. And for whatever reason, it just hasn't gotten the attention you think it deserves from advisors. Yeah, I think our biggest surprise is uh, the fact that our lineup of single country ETF is not much bigger than where it is right now, right? Because it is 70% cheaper, and we now have close to five years of track record of delivering the investment return. Uh, So, and I think I counted that to like investor inertia, right? I think people tend to stick with what they know. And, uh, and ETF at the end of the day is sold. Uh, so we probably have to do a better job of getting our name out there, right? As well to be able to, to showcase that there, there are other competition out there. There are other choices out there in terms of uh, single country ETF. Um, so it is one of, uh, for example, our UK fund like FLGB, right? We have grown that fund to over 600 million right now, but it could have been much bigger uh, given that uh, now we have a five-year track record and it's the cheapest out there at nine basis points. And, and certainly a lot of conversations in the media about uh, given the volatility in the market, such an opportunity for tax loss harvesting early in the year, you know, moving between investments, et cetera. So, so certainly an opportunity to go to franklintempleton.com, go to their ETF section. You can see uh, a list of all their ETFs. There's ETF filters. You can filter by investment strategy. So, so quite a few investment tools for investor professionals out there. Um, Dina, you know, before we close out, uh, interesting time for us as we're recording this, people are now finally, we're all coming back into the offices. Uh, how does it feel for you? I mean, is it is it different after all these years? How does it feel to have your team back in the office with you together? I think it's definitely nice to have everybody back in the office. But what we do find out, there are certain things that are a lot more productive uh, through Zoom or a Teams call, and there's things that are more productive as an in-person, right? So if you just want to kind of get things done, sometimes uh, there's two ways to do that. And I think going through a pandemic, we can take the, uh, make the best out of both worlds. So on things that we need to do something quickly and being productive, you could do that through the online interaction. But when you want to kind of develop a deeper connection, then uh, in person, it's uh, helpful. And we were lucky at Franklin that we have uh, a lot of outdoor space and able to um, connect and see people. So I think the first event that we had when we see like 300 plus people with for people that we haven't seen for sometimes two years, it's been uh, it's been refreshing. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, and you know, really the best of both worlds now where, you know, and, and, and I think, you know, on behalf of Dina and the Franklin Templeton team, uh, if you're looking at ETFs, if you need support, don't be concerned that some of them might be on the West Coast. If you're an East Coast advisor, you, we, we've got all the tools necessary to connect you right into Patrick O'Connor and David Mann and the rest of the Cap Markets team. They can help you with any of your ETF trading. Uh, Dina, thank you so much for being here uh, helping share some of the commentary, looking at the forward markets for, for 2022. That is a wrap on this edition of the Inside ETFs podcast. Now, as a reminder, you can find this episode as well as many other episodes of the Inside ETF podcast on the New York Stock Exchange's website, homeofetfs.com. That's homeofetfs.com. Thank you again for being here to share your insights. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes featuring thought leaders, 
from across the ETF ecosystem. I'm Douglas Jonas, the host of today's podcast, Head of Exchange Traded Funds at the New York Stock Exchange, the home of ETFs. Schwab Asset Management is proud to support the Inside ETFs podcast. In today's complex world, Schwab Asset Management provides a simple, straightforward approach to investing. As one of the largest and most experienced asset managers, they offer low-cost core ETFs for building the foundation of a diversified portfolio. Their focused lineup, which includes market cap index and strategic beta ETFs, is a reflection of a commitment to deliver exceptional experiences to investors and the financial professionals who serve them. Learn more at schwabassetmanagement.com forward slash ETFs.